0: I, a, I see a thing the
1: wall. I'm so going to fall. Scaring, and
0: scaring is sharing. It's scaring is
1: sharing. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. Time again for another episode of Scaring and Sharing. Yeah, it's the podcast where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror. Hi. Hi everyone! Hola, qué pasa? Guten Tag! (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to be here today with my co-host, the effervescent and shimmering Jeremy, the original Sasquatch Slim Rusk, effervescent and shimmering, effervescent and shimmering, and hairy since you're a Sasquatch.
2: I know, and I have a lot of hair going on these days. (laughs) Uh, And I'm here with the luminous fabulous amazing brady joe playback the flaming Scream. oh my gosh
1: stop hello if you've never listened before jeremy and i love horror movies and we talk about them and sometimes about other things and then the whole crux of the series typically is that we share a scare with the other person that they have not seen before and then we come back and we talk about them
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's pretty so, much it.
1: Yeah. If you want to skip ahead to the movies we talk about, you can look in the podcast notes and go to whatever time code is listed there. But please stick around and and hang out with us. Yes, please. So, Jeremy. Um, speaking of horror shows, uh-huh. you participated in something quite horrific recently. I did. You did. You went to Boogie Fever.
0: <laughs>
1: uh so for anyone who may not be a michigan and doesn't know but there's probably one of these near you something just like it there is this night club venue in ferndale michigan called boogie fever that's all like 70s oriented like i think all the music is from the 70s right
2: they uh <laughs> The night we were there, Friday night at least, the dance party is music of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Oh, okay.
1: Well, I always imagined it was the 70s, just from the sound of it. Boogie Fever! No, I, I think they cater to that on some nights, so... But it is definitely, it, speaking of catering, it's definitely catered a lot of times to like bachelorette parties and groups of like, you know, girls from the office, women, young women from the office were are like, oh my God, let's go do something crazy. Let's go to Boogie Fever. <laughs> and this past week, Jeremy was one of those girls. I was one of those girls. So I
2: was there and I danced a lot and I'm still sore.
1: But I'm... you were with a lot of our friends. So yes. that's fun. It was a fun time. And it, like anytime I have to describe
2: boogie fever to people, I'm like, it's a you know, it's a dance club, it's a nightclub for old people, because <laughs> I'm like, because that's where we are now, because <laughs> it it's oriented towards you know, uh, elder millennial and up. Yeah, <laughs> there's not who, like
1: kids in the corner like blowing NyQuil on each other's faces or whatever. Like, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> no, it,
2: it's it's for uh, people that don't normally go to clubs anymore. <laughs>
1: After, like, midnight, does it just, like, die down because everyone's old and has gone to bed?
2: <laughs> well, actually, what's happened in my experience there, like, after 11 o'clock or so is when you start to see, like, younger people coming in where you're like, yeah, they're younger than us. Time to go because I don't want to be here with a bunch of kids. Got it. So yep. yep, But we do leave. Yep. We do leave round about midnight or shortly before then where we're like, time to go home.
1: <laughs> And you know, I, I know I was like joking around about it and all, but like I, I loved in Hellbent. I loved that scene when they were all in the club and the guy got like murdered on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. And I just like I do love that idea of, and I'm sure it's out there. I just can't think of one like a horror movie like totally set in a nightclub. That some of… I know that there's a little bit of like you know like prom night like is on like the dance floor, but that's a at a problem. But like at a nightclub, mm-hmm. like full yeah. on like the the entire film. Yes,
2: that'd be I cool. Like, that. like all I can think of is like Hellbent and then um <laughs> New Year's Evil used it though as like a motif, not actually like a setting.
1: So it's like which was a missed opportunity in that movie. They should have had some killings in the club itself. And I also the two scenes that stick out to me from other films are The Collection have you seen The Collector or yes, The Collection?
2: I have seen The Collection. And there and is like,
1: that starts at a club, right? And like all those people get like annihilated. Yeah, and that's such a cool scene. I know. It's like up there with like Ghost Ship, where it's like an opening where just like masses of people die. Yeah, it's super good. And then you're like, the rest of the movie never quite reaches
2: that level. Like, yeah. I do think I like The Collection more than The Collector, now that we mentioned it. But
1: uh, it's been years since I've seen it, so... And then the other film that I think of that this scared the shit out of me when I watched it, I mean, and I wasn't like a little kid, but just there was something really creepy about it, was the opening of Blade. Isn't that mm. the opening where they're all yes. in a club and all of a sudden it starts raining blood and then one guy's like, "What the fuck?" and everyone else like starts turning into like the vampires. Yes, it's that oh the vampire nightclub. Always yep. scared the shit out of me, just because like I I was going to a lot of like after hours clubs and things at the time, and I just like that idea, mm-hmm. that notion again of you being in the minority in regards to like everyone around you is bad, but you're like the only good one. Yep. like that is such a. a, a, a the greatest fear of mine is yeah. being in a room and like being like oh my god we need help and everyone's like you're not getting it here yeah exactly <laughs> Being you're, yeah being somewhere, somewhere
2: being somewhere where everyone is in on it but you and uh and it's not yeah. like a
1: joke kind of way it's yeah, like uh you're gonna die by everyone here <laughs> yeah kind and, of way. and you shouldn't be there so yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah those sorts of scenes always i really dig them and maybe it is because i had like uh like I did club a lot as like Mm -hmm. a youngster like I was off doing ecstasy every other weekend at this after hours club called Amsterdam in Denver Colorado Mm -hmm. and um oh man I just loved it I loved it because of the drugs I took and then therefore because of the drugs I could feel like sexy and free and I could unbutton my shirt or unzip my vest and let my my chubby body show, and I could just like walk around just like, oh my Mm -hmm. god, I am comfortable in my body, but it's like it was all just a mask from the substances.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say in my 20s clubbing it was usually accompanied by heavy amounts of drinking, so it's like, that's what made it fun, actually
1: Like looking back at it, so Oh, and the only other thing I can think of which you've not seen is Climax which maybe one day I know. I just the idea of having to sit through that again just makes me angry. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeremy, what have you watched since we last spoke?
2: Uh I mean, nothing really horror-ish, other than I did see Asteroid City last night. Oh, you As did? I, We've said been said talking I was going about to it. see it. We've been How talking to it. What was it? I enjoyed it. Okay. Enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm seeing online there's some reactions that are like divisive. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, this is like Wes Anderson at this point in his career. I feel like he's kind of like, and I'm trying to think when it happened. I think from like Grand Budapest Hotel Forward, which is now like a few movies ago for him, uh, he's getting like real deconstructionist, uh, and um. Uh, Strange isn't the right word, but, th- you know, the movies he's doing are all these like there's different stories layered on each other. And it's like it's, it, they're crafted in such a way and becoming more and more like fine tuned and crafted. Uh That, um yeah, if you're not on that journey with him, you're going to be like, what is going on in this movie? Why did he do it this way? I feel like. And uh yeah, but I enjoyed it.
1: So I've, I've been having fun with this like later turn in his career. Yeah, Joe and I are keep talking about going to see it. I thought it like literally just opened, but it's been out for weeks now. So, oh, has it
2: been out for weeks? Okay. Yeah, apparently,
1: I apparently. think it's just not been yes. in like wide release or
2: something like that. Cause we've, we found it just by having to dig around and be like, what theater is even
1: playing it? So, yeah. I was listening to, um, talk scary to me with Daniel Harris and Scout Taylor Compton and it they've I'm on like their February episodes cuz I started from the beginning and you know I've been binging it but mm-hmm. they um they had like final girl february and they had a few um a couple of people they had the girl who got spoiler alert, cut in half in terrifier um mm-hmm. one, and then they had the final girl from Terrifier two on as well, like on two separate episodes, but they got into like nudity in movies because I think they've all had nude scenes mm-hmm. um and they talked about, and I didn't ever know this, and I mean I'm sure it differs per set, of course, mm-hmm. but they talked about how off like when they have you know n- known that they were doing a nude scene that usually the nude scene is filmed first in case the actor bails and is like i'm not doing it then they haven't filmed all this other stuff that they have to scrap to bring on someone new is mm-hmm. that weird i mean it yes. makes sense yes but, and here's the thing with nudity like i've been nude on stage multiple times um i find it very free freeing i mean literally and just like in a metaphorical way um but I I'm, I'm totally respect anyone's desire to be or not to be <laughs> naked, mm-hmm. that is the question. Um, and I think it's okay to change your mind at any point as well. But I've definitely had actors in shows, like in plays, who, like, casting them, I was like, and by the way, there is a scene where you have to pull down your pants, or whatever. And like, are you comfortable with that? And them, them being like, yes, I am. And then getting to like, a week before we open, and they're like, oh, by the way, I don't think I want to do that anymore. And it's like, what? Like we talked mm-hmm. about this. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting with film. Cause of course it's different than the stage, uh, but like to think of that notion of performers
0: mm-hmm. doing
1: nudes, but like also having to do a nude scene, like right off the bat as like your first scene that you have to film in a movie is also seems quite frightening.
2: Yeah. I know I've read stuff too about liking to the, uh production's liking to get that out of the way too early. Like, not just the, like you said, the logistics of what if they bail? Now we don't have to reshoot a bunch of stuff because all we did was shoot the nude scene. um, But, you know, that's like usually the worst part. Like, if you're going to have a nude scene, that's going to be the hardest, you know, the most delicate part to work on with the actors uh, involved. So that's why it's like, let's do that first, get that one out of the way so it can just ideally be fun, you know, for the rest of the oh, shoot. God. It just seems um, like
1: you'd want to build up your, like, rapport with your co-stars and your director. and Yeah. Just, and uh... I know they,
2: they do those early, too, because you can do them with minimal crew. Because often you shoot nude scenes on a closed set just to make mm-hmm. everyone more comfortable. You have minimal crew involved, so you do it early in the production before everything's like,
1: fired up and, you know, running with full crew everywhere and all that, so... Yeah, that makes sense. But again, I want to reiterate that I think that it's totally like performers should never feel obligated to do nude scenes. Oh yeah, absolutely, or anything like that. And I, I, it, it's crazy. We saw. I don't think I talked about this on here because it doesn't really relate. But in this conversation, it does. We saw no hard feelings a couple weeks ago with Jennifer Lawrence, which is sort mm-hmm. of a "can't buy me love" sort of um, rom-com and it was totally sweet. I loved it. Uh, but she does, she goes, she has a full on nude scene where she's like totally naked and like kicks these three, like teenagers asses, Mm -hmm. like in the full nude, like you, it's Jennifer Lawrence, like one of our top performers of our generation (laughs) right now. And she's just like, and I thought, surely that's a body double, but nope. She was just like, yeah, I just thought it'd be fun. (laughs) So she just did it. And it's amazing. I'm like, wow. Like I respect that so much. I respect it all. Um, and, and like I said, I there just is something to having the conversation and then getting down to it. And then I'm being an asshole and saying, like, you can change your mind. But I feel like it's it's important to sort of know going into something like what am I okay doing? And then it's I think it's also important for the director and whoever's involved to make sure that the environment is safe and comfortable and you know that that the actor is getting whatever they need to to get to that proper place, which is why like intimacy coordinators and things like that are such a an mm-hmm. important part now because there was just so many years where people were just um not taken care of in regards to nudity and sex and in mm-hmm. art. Absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. Uh. Uh, I watched a few things that I'll zip through. I watched, um, I forgot to mention this last week, I hung out with my friend Tony, who is like one of my big old horror movie fans, or lovers of mine. And we watched, uh, he had a Hammer horror collection, like this Blu-ray that Mm. has like 30 Hammer movies, or I don't know how many. Mm -hmm. But we watched Taste of Fear from 1961. Have you seen this? Mm -mm. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. Susan Strasberg, Christopher Lee... Those were the two big ones. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was fun. Like a girl in a wheelchair goes home to visit her father. And like she thinks he may be dead because he keeps like showing like she never sees him. And she has sort of like a a stepmom that she never really knew. Twists and turns abound. I thought for sure I knew where it was going. It's sort of Diabolique in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent worth checking out. I highly recommend it with a a younger Christopher Lee involved.
2: Yeah, and yeah. it's like, it's so funny. Like, every hammer you put in, you're like, oh, Christopher Lee, right?
1: <laughs> it's a 50 50 shot, he's going to be in that movie. So, yep, yep. Uh, and then a couple nights ago, um, Nico the Knave had suggested The Borderlands, which mm-hmm. is a found footage film that keeps popping up in those like found footage movies you've never heard of or uh-huh. you should watch. And I was not a fan. Mm. It's like about this like church that like weird things are happening in this sort of abandoned dish kind of looking church. And this, you know, crew goes out to check it out. Um, uh, I just, I, it drives me crazy and found footage. And I, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but like when something crazy is about to happen, that there's like a low, like rumbling, mm. mm-hmm. like a, like almost like when the bass drops, yeah, like almost was- like that. <clears throat> yes i think yeah. yep, yep it drives me crazy because i'm like it, i would be so it would be so much more effective for me did i not know something <laughs> is coming and it just happens yeah and it sort of defeats the purpose of the found footage and the like oh you're envision you're seeing it just as it happens and being recorded because it's no longer that like mm. I, I know paranormal activity is maybe the one who started all of that because there's none of that in the blair witch project
2: yeah yeah no because blair witch was like At least they attempted to keep it close to just being like this was all just shot on the fly on a video camera like as it happened. Uh, And then that new wave of found footage movies post paranormal activity. That's where they started to become very like produced looking where you're like, how is this found footage? Like I can clearly see edits uh, and they set up camera shots and stuff like it does not feel like somebody just shot this on the fly. There's music (laughs) in them half the time. So you're like, okay. Uh, these people supposedly died filming this, like who then edited it (laughs) and put
1: music over it. So, and I think that's that like found life, like with like the internet. Cause I, in my mind, I think, well, if you just do something inventive with found footage, like Mm -hmm. to sort of reinvent how it is now that it could be good again, or you could have something successful. Yeah. And I think that's sort of, I think that's what it's called, right? Like found life or maybe, Uh, Like missing and searching and unfriended. It's called something like that. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is the same reason why I appreciated,
2: I think, Willow Creek so much, uh, that movie, because uh, Bobcat Goldthwait had shot it intentionally to be like, there's sequences of just the camera on nothing and nothing happens. And I know people complained about that, but he was like, I was trying to mirror a real,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> make it actually feel like found footage where there is going to be boring shit in there because it's not edited. It's just random video camera footage that's been recovered. So,
1: yeah. So lots of people love the Borderlands. Lots of people loved the ending. I thought the ending was fucking stupid. Um, but lots of people were crazy about it. And then last night I watched Livid, which is by the directors who did Inside. Mm. Our good old friend Josh Kornga from um, Dread Central like, really likes it. He talks about it a lot on um, Development Hell. He has, I've heard him bring it up multiple times. So I rewatched it because I'd seen it before. It's weird. I don't love it. It's like it's very kind of don't breathe but less realistic and there's like weird like zombie ballerina vampire things in it and stuff. Uh-huh. Like it's it's bizarre. Like it's definitely French. I mean I don't know what that means, but it is French, so it definitely <laughs> is French. <laughs> but it just seems like it has a different foreign kind of sentiment to it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've used that descriptor before too, where I'm like, it's very French. Like, you can. <laughs> I feel like if you've seen enough French film, that makes sense to you. <laughs>
1: Somebody says it's very French. It's it is super French. So I rented it out off of YouTube. It's not. It used to be available on Shutter, but it's not there anymore. Um. So yeah, th- that's what I watched. Mm-hmm. Um. You didn't watch anything else besides the the Wes Ann.
2: Yeah. um couple things, but nothing horror related. Um, okay. I only bring up Asteroid City cause we've been talking about it on we here. Have. So, um, well, and, and I guess it features some like genre film adjacent things in Asteroid City. So, but I don't want to ruin too much until
1: so, yeah, you,
2: you see it. So, okay, there you go.
1: Well, we have a Terragram today. We always love when we have at least one, especially mm-hmm. when it's from one of our faves. Do you want to read it? I
2: shall. Hey guys, enjoyed your latest episode as usual. I'm tracking with you on Insidious, The Red Door. I'm not really a fan of the series, but this installment was acceptable summer fun. I'm surprised you didn't mention Dalton's accidental college roommate. She was easily my favorite part of the movie. That was a very good character. I mean, as far as, you know, new characters to the series, uh, she was awesome. Uh, Anyway. The telegram continues. About the final girl's support group. I liked it quite a bit. I appreciated the homage to the genre. Would love to see a movie version. That said, how to sell a haunted house ups the creep factor exponentially. This definitely very cinematic. To continue our conversation about directors, we'd like to see try horror. I'd also be curious to see what John Favreau would do in the genre. Well, gentlemen, till next time, stay healthy, stay happy, stay you. Teacher Drew in Phoenix.
1: Thanks, Teacher Drew. And yeah, you're right. I totally did not mention her name is Sinclair Daniel. And I loved her performance in Insidious, colon, The Red Door. I thought she was great. I mean, it definitely (laughs) felt, which is fine, I'd rather this than not, but it felt like they were like, oh, we've had only white people in our movies. We need to like bring in you know, a person of color, which I'd rather that than just continuing on with, you know, uh, all white people once again. But she, I loved her sass. I kind of like, she's sort of like an accidental roommate of his, like, because like her name is like Chris or something like that in the film. Like she, they accidentally get her linked up with him as a roommate. And I wish she just would have stayed roommates with him. Cause in this day and age, I mean, they they talk about, they're like, it's a liberal arts school. So who Mm -hmm. cares? But I wish I would have just like stayed roommates. I thought that would have been cute.
2: Yeah. And uh, John Favreau, yeah, that's one I haven't thought of because I do like I don't, John. Who is he? You know John Favreau. But isn't he an actor too? He, he started as an actor and okay. he's been a director for many years now too. Okay. You know John Favreau. He directed Made, uh, Elf uh, with Will Ferrell. He did the first two Iron Man's. Uh, he's currently directing a bunch of the Star Wars TV stuff for uh, Disney these days. So, um He's 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 worked for Disney for a while now. Um but I have seen the uh the edit of What If Elf was a horror movie, if you've ever oh, seen that. I love thing. those. Yeah. It's a fake trailer where yes. they're like trying to make it seem like uh Buddy is just this crazy stalker guy. And uh yeah, seeing that seeing that trailer makes me think oh i think john favreau could do a horror movie like i think he could handle it and that would be interesting to
1: see yeah i love those i love the mary poppins one is probably like my favorite big fan of that
2: and he's very good in his movies about even though he does like you know big budget stuff these days he's very good at uh character to character like connections like very often his stories are just about people and their relationships to each other and so i feel like that's fertile ground for like a horror movie too like you could just if one of those people happens to be a maniac killer perfect so i think john that would be that's a cool teacher drew john favreau i never would have thought of but i think yeah he would i think he'd be an interesting talent to convince to do a horror movie
1: yeah i'm there for that and yeah i um I I do love those. I haven't seen one in a long time. Either, like, I've seen them both ways. Like, I've seen horror movies. I feel like there's, like, a misery one that makes it look like a rom-com. Yes. Like, I like when they go either or. Like, they take something that's horrific and make it look like it's, like, a a comedy. It's fun. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or the vice versa. Like, I have a—and I'm sure they're probably out there. I just need to, like, do a little searching around. Yes.
2: The Elf one is really good. And then, of course, the one where what if Mrs. Doubtfire was a horror
1: movie yes. that one, that one is really good, too. Which is definitely problematic anymore. Yeah. When you
2: go back and rewatch Mrs. Doubtfire, you're just like, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, definitely like, um, this is fucked up yeah as a kid we were like rooted for him like he just wants to see his family <laughs> now as an adult you're like this is so unhealthy <laughs> yep yep it sure uh the fuck is mm-hmm. well thank you teacher drew and yes if anyone out there wants to write to us hit us up scaring sharing at gmail.com or slide into our instas on insta wait our dms on insta <laughs> <laughs> our
2: dms on insta scaring a sharing all one word that's
1: correct. Well, anything, else, Any news or anything, Jeremy? Uh, the only news
2: that jumped out to me in the last few days that I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! I'm not sure." I realized the movie was actually like in production, as far as it was. But Robert Eggers uh, was talking about filming Nosferatu, so it is being shot. His remake of Nosferatu, uh, and it might. Even I, thought be it done. Or, I thought it was done.
1: I thought it overshot. might even be.
2: It might have been. Yeah, it might be done from what he was saying. But I, it, there's just an interview blurb going around now where he was talking about how difficult. Uh, the shoot was apparently so because they're they're shooting in, in Europe in like he was talking about shooting something on the North Sea. So they did it literally on a boat out on the water, just him and some European guys <laughs> as his crew. Uh, and he talked about how difficult and arduous it was. So hmm. uh, I'm like, OK, I guess they're really mimicking what they did in the original movie because you know there was sequences shot on actual ships at sea uh, and that was you know the silent film era, era so I can only imagine the logistics there so yeah but uh that that's good news to hear because that's that's a movie I like I I think Nosferatu has had such a tortured life cycle this remake coming to life that I'm like I won't believe the movie is going to <laughs> exist until it's in front of me like being screened
1: in front of me so yeah, I'm. I'm excited for it though. Definitely mm-hmm. with him at the helm, it's like okay. Yeah, him at the helm. Uh, what do we know
2: about it? Bill Skarsgård is playing the vampire. Um, cool. Willem Dafoe is in it because that was another thing in the interview is uh, Robert Eggers says he hopes he never makes a movie from now on without Willem Dafoe because he's saying that's his favorite you know uh, actor collaborator now. So I'm like okay, that's cool. I'll, I'll take yeah. more Willem Dafoe in. Whatever. Oh yeah
1: whatever wild character roles, you're going to throw him in in your flicks. Oh so. yes. I love him. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad now I know how to say his name correctly. Cause I can't tell you how many years I said, William Defoe, which is funny because William is his real name. It is.
2: It is. So you're not wrong when I would say it. That Technically way. you're not wrong. He's actually <laughs> a William, but I saw an interview where he said it's his dad. He's named after his dad. Uh, and he never felt like he was also William, uh, and he wanted to define himself so it was a nickname he picked up apparently in high school was just willem which is like you know i can't remember it's a european uh version of uh william so he started using that professionally was willem okay uh, and and, uh, and then he also actually says his last name as Defo. oh but people just started saying duffo and he thought that sounded Better so that's what he's gone with professionally. William Def- willem huh. Defoe, but he's William Defoe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, that's definitely something I did not know.
2: Yeah, and yeah, there you can look it up. There's like an interview of him talking about his name. Where he, he, it's one of those things where he said he's like half my family says Defoe and half the family says Duffo. So he's like, I went with the Duffo one because that's what everyone was saying anyway. Whenever they read my name, so
1: okay. All right. Well, looking forward to it. Hmm. Well, shall we share our scares with each other? Yeah, let's get
2: sharing. All right, well, share with me. Okay. Um, I was trying to think of something like fun. I'm like, it's summertime. Let's keep it with like fun movies. Uh, and uh, this one's been floating just out of reach. Every time I think I'm going to give it to you, I think of something else. Uh, but now I've run out of something else. <laughs> so oh. I am giving you the movie Mutant, also known as Night Shadows, I believe.
1: Is how you'll in find Search it In on... Search of Darkness 3. Yep.
2: It was in In Search of Darkness 3. That's how I even heard about it, then went and watched it and was like, oh, this is fun. Uh, and I saw it's on your watch list on Letterboxd. So.
1: Yeah, I think because like In Search of Darkness 3, I just kept adding things on yep. there. But I don't remember oh, what it's all about. Huh.
2: I will tell you, the name Mutant is a much cooler title than uh, Night. Shadows, because that doesn't really it has been, been titled Night Shadows has like nothing to do with the movie, I don't know why so generic sounding
1: I feel like there's like a female lead I can like almost see that in my head and I keep thinking there's something with a beach and like a bunch of I'm probably just getting it mixed up with something else, but I'm gonna say there's a beach, I'm gonna say that there somehow like there's a bunch of eggs, like sort of um invasion of the body Snatchery, that's what i'm going to go with like it's sort of um like an invasion of the body snatcher like there's these mutant versions of people that turn into more monsters i don't know i cuz i did remember it at some point but ah shit it's just not coming to me so that's what i'm going with cool a weird 80s <laughs> invasion of the body snatchers sort of riff riff
0: all right um,
1: cool. So, wait, so should I give you something sort of fun and crazy, or should I give you, like, heavy? Ooh, I don't care. Ah, shit. Um, let's go with sort of dramatic and heavy. Okay. And I'm going to give you Saint Maud. Oh, Saint Maude. Um, I don't
2: know anything about this other than it came out. A couple years ago, I remember it had like rave reviews when it was out, but it had such a limited like release window that uh, it seemed to just disappear really quick. I believe it's some sort of satanic possession or a cult movie or something like that. I heard it was wild. I really wanted to see it because most horror people I know were like, you have to see Saint Maude. It's cool. So I'm excited to watch this finally. Uh, and that's it all I, I think that's all I know about it it's got to do with demonic possession or satanic possession or something like that I believe hilarity ensues
1: <laughs> as it always does
2: as it usually does
1: <laughs> alright awesome well let's go watch these two very different flicks and come back and talk about them yeah
0: said, don't you blame the movies movies don't create psychos movies make psychos more creative <laughs>
2: This is where we talk about the movies. Hopefully, you know the drill. Hopefully, you've been listening forever. But if you're yeah. new, this is what we do. And you got a haircut. I did. I chopped it all off.
1: <laughs> you look so clean cut. It's my summer cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that deep summer cut. Hmm. All right. Well, let's do this, Jeremy. Okay.
2: Uh, so I'm up first with uh, Mutant also known as Night Shadows. I looked it up and I was wondering what that was all about. And apparently it was originally released to theaters as Night Shadows. Um, But I don't think it had much staying power in theaters because they changed the title to Mutant when it came out to home video. And that seems to be the title everyone knows it under. And that's the title that's stuck ever since. And I think Mutant's a better title than Night Shadows. That's too generic, Night Shadows. Okay. Anyway. The uh, tagline on Letterboxd is Mankind's deadliest threat will not come from the skies. Which is like weird considering, I don't know. We'll get into that. Uh, And the description is when two brothers, Josh and Mike, go to a small southern town for a vacation, they find most of the residents either dead or missing when mike himself goes missing josh t- josh teams up with the local sheriff and an attractive school teacher to find him until josh discovers that the whole town and most of its people have been infected by a form of toxic waste and they have all turned into toxic vampires who prowl the streets
1: at night for human blood that's so weird for it to say that i know right cuz i thought of them more as zombies yeah more like zombies and yeah so, I, I like, what I had said about this, like, that I thought it was, like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it kind of is.
2: Yeah, it sort of is, and I feel like that's the whole, like, that tagline being, like, the threat won't come from the skies. Because I feel like this movie sort of plays out like a, a alien invasion kind of movie at times, but it's taking it away yes. aliens you, and
1: putting in something else instead. Yeah, you wonder if that is the case for a while. And I was wrong. I thought it like centered around like a, a woman, but it really centers around these brothers, really in particular one brother, Josh. Mm-hmm. But I wish there was yeah. more of Mike because Lee Montgomery is so fucking hot. He is in Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which is my favorite 80s dancing movie. Like you got mm. Footloose and Dirty Dancing and mm-hmm. Flash Dance, but Girls Just Want to Have Fun is my fucking jam. Mm. I fucking you've never seen it. It is Shannon Doherty, in a very small part, Sarah Jessica Parker, Helen Hunt, Lee Montgomery, and he's Hmm. so fucking beautiful. So, highly recommend it. If there's any other um, girls just want to have fun stands out there, I want to know. But I loved The Brothers. I immediately, even though I don't even know that I've ever seen this whole movie, but I immediately thought of An American Werewolf in London. It had that sort of vibe to me.
2: I was going to say, this totally has an American Werewolf in London vibe in the beginning. Okay. The Brothers backpacking and like... Yes. Yeah, totally.
1: But, like, you totally are for the bros. Like, they're, like, you're with them. Like, the town people are kind of assholes to them. Mm-hmm. And you get that whole country versus city vibe. Like, there definitely is that, like, that um, sort of conflict going on. But you're with the brothers. Like, they're not assholes. They're, like, sweet guys. Mm-hmm. And you're rooting for them, which, you know, I love to root for somebody.
2: Yeah, I know. You like, you like to have nice people. At the I center do. or stuff that you can connect to.
1: But then all of a sudden there's like slime around and dead bodies that aren't dead bodies and lies and deceit and people disappear in. I kept thinking, though, in the nature of, in my head, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I kept thinking that people would disappear and then reappear, which mm. didn't always happen, which is nope. maybe one of my gripes with the movie, but they kind mm-hmm. of cover it. But it's sort of like, I don't know why it happens that way. And then that's all they say. Right. Am I Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's pretty much it. No, Some people
1: get, like, killed by these toxic mutants mm -hmm. and come back as toxic mutants. But then other times they're just dead.
2: Yeah, other people are just dead. Some people get attacked and, like, are okay for a while and then they become, you know, stuff starts happening to them over time. So, yeah, there's no real rules to the toxic zombies.
1: I also got mixed up in my head. There's that Donald Pleasance or Donald Pleasance movie, mm-hmm. Dead Alive or Buried Alive or whatever, mm-hmm. which also was covered on In Search of Darkness.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah.
1: is sort of a body snatchers. Like I think something happens with the people and then they come back, but they're not exactly. Have you seen that? No, that one you know
2: what I, I I'm haven't talking seen. About, though, yeah, that sounds familiar. If it I'm was in In sure. Search of Darkness, that's yeah. probably how I saw it.
1: I think it's like not dead alive because that's that
2: yeah that's peter jackson
1: yeah but i think it's buried alive i can like see or bear i can see the video box it's like a face coming out of like the earth mm-hmm. like a, a corpse dead but and I buried dead and buried thank you
2: that's that's the one but dead you've not seen it i've not seen it and i have so surprising I've, much like you i've seen the video box a hundred oh, thousand yeah. times
1: but i guess in a way they are like vampires here because they have to like They're, like, stealing blood? Yeah. Right? Maybe it's not Dead and Buried, because Donald Pleasance is not in this. Maybe I'm wrong, though, about Donald Pleasance, because that sounds like the movie I'm talking about. Maybe I just got that mixed up in my head. But it's, like, someone in a town and, like... Oh, yeah,
2: okay. I'm reading the description description on Letterboxd. Let's see. Uh, Dead and Buried has James Ferentino. Robert
1: England. I think that's... I think I'm getting my... Yes, he's in there. Robert Englund's it. in it. Yep. Not that they're at all comparable, but they're in two of the most yeah, well-renowned slashers of all time. So I think that is where I knew that there was someone. Okay. You're like
2: there was some, some slasher, famous slasher alum in but there. But
1: Donnie P was not it. Um, but okay. So this movie is like, it starts off. Well, I'm in it. And then it, does, it goes weird. And then I'm like, what is happening? And then I'm like, I don't fucking care. This is wacky. And then I really enjoy it yeah it's sort of like the the roller coaster i went on
2: yeah that's exactly it like this is now my second watch like i didn't know this movie existed until i saw in search of darkness and they covered it in part three and then i was like i gotta watch this so i watched it uh earlier this year i think at some point point originally like maybe in the winter at some time and yeah that's what i felt too it's like kind of cool it's got kind of like Spooky vibes that are like, uh, remind me of great, you know, Halloween time viewing of like catching a movie on cable. Uh, but in the middle, it kind of just drags, you know, as the yeah. I think that's supposed to be the parts where they're like solving the mystery and finding out what's going on. But a lot of that I feel like could be trimmed, uh, just to make more room for like the zombie mayhem that finally
1: unleashes at the end of the movie, like full blown. Yeah, it feels like a, a lost of the dead movie at point yes
2: yeah it does it like really the, does the
1: zombie vampire things sort of feel like dawn of the dead or like day of the dead day of the dead yeah, i yeah. kept thinking of day of the dead during yeah this. this
2: this feels very derivative of like romero's uh especially day of the dead, towards the end of his cycle of movies where you're like um and if they made it funnier it could have been like a lost Re- return of the living dead uh sequel as well
1: yeah, it doesn't have a lot of humor. I mean, maybe some unintentional.
2: Yeah, I'd say at best unintentional, but yeah. it's like that, that that's a component I feel is missing too. Like if they made it a little funnier, uh, maybe it'd stand out a bit more. And I mean, like uh, you got Wingshauser in the lead as Josh. Like he's a charming character actor in his own right. So it's like, I don't know why they didn't give him some more jokes or something. Uh, Cause that would have, that would have helped
1: now i know he's in rubber right yeah yeah but i was like i know like watch this i'm like i know i've seen him in something and i go back and i look through his filmography of hundreds of movies or yeah. whatever and i'm like i haven't seen him in anything but then i realized why i think i know him which we may have talked about during rubber but i don't remember i don't from think te- what we did from television
2: from, perhaps nope, nope. from
1: from Terror in the Isles. Oh,
2: Terror in the Isles. That's from right. Vice
1: Squad. Because Vice Squad. You're talking about how likable he is, but he is frightening in that movie. From the clips I've seen, I want to see the whole thing, and I, I just yep. never get around to it. But he is so, like he was so scary. He was one of the scarier parts of that movie when I was a kid
2: yeah yeah i forget about that that yeah terror in the Isles used the movie vice squad a lot for a some reason lot. yeah, yeah. and it's like that's like a minor cult classic at this point like i don't think a lot of people even remember that movie so
1: and i mean yes i, I guess they do use some thrillers in it but terror in the Isles is a, mostly about horror films but mm-hmm. vice squad's in there yeah um But yeah, like you said, I I don't know of anybody who talks about or knows this movie. I mean, I'm sure people know Mm -hmm. this movie, but people do not talk about it. I think In Search of Darkness brought that to the surface. But there are so many movies I've seen in the 80s that don't deserve the love they have over something like this.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, that's what I was thinking. Like, this is definitely a lost gem from the 80s, I think. Like, this is real cool and fun and, like, fits right in with, like, a lot of stuff that people really venerate from the 80s. So you're like, what happened to this movie? Like, how'd this get lost in the shuffle?
1: And there's fun stuff like um, Holly. Okay. Mm, I'll save. I have a spoiler thing, but I'll save it. But I think Holly is super fun. And she's wearing, like, this half jean, half, like, hanky skirt at one point. Mm-hmm. It looks. Wait, do you know about the hanky code, Jeremy? Do you know what that is?
2: Uh, the hanky code.
1: Don't, look, believe- don't Google it. Oh, I'm not Googling. I'm, okay. looking, up, I'm looking at Wings
2: Hauser. Oh, okay. You are correct. He has been in, like, 100,000 movies. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: That's so like, many.
2: And I've barely seen, like, any of them. And he was, I was trying to look it up. He was in Roseanne. Yeah, I saw uh, as, that on there. As their neighbor, that's what it was. Like, I knew him from television growing okay. up because he, he was pretty prolific on television as well as like a guest actor in tons of TV s- series okay. and stuff. So. Anyway, no, the Hanky Code, that's something to do with uh, gay culture, isn't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, is that something to do with gay culture? <laughs> yes, but I have to tell you because it's so interesting. So back in like the 80s, Mm-hmm. I think it was mainly the 80s, maybe the 70s too. The gays would wear a hanky in either their right or their left pocket and they had like a list of like 75 different colors and what they mean. Like a wow. yellow one would be like I like piss and you would wear it in your left pocket if it meant like, I like to piss on people and you would leave it on your, in your right pocket. If it was like, I like to be pissed on or in or whatever. Mm. And so like, you would have all these different colors to sort of signify what you were into without having to like have the conversation. You could just like have it in your pocket. And I just find that fascinating. And I, is thought fascinating. I, I thought you might enjoy it, but I wonder it, if there's a hanky code for I like horror movies.
2: I know, right? That's <laughs> It is fascinating because it's also like, are people that like, do people like to avoid certain conversations to a point where you're like, I'd rather just have a hanky do the talking for me. We don't even I have I think to talk. there's yeah.
1: something to that, to that ease yeah. of it. And I also think that maybe it was, you know, when, I don't know how far back it goes, but perhaps it was like you'd wear it out and not necessarily like at a gay club where you could have these conversations, but rather
2: mm-hmm. somewhere yeah, where
1: someone could be like, oh, I see. He yeah. likes scat. So
2: oh yeah. And also so you could be like, I, I imagine it would evolve from being in non-gay like gay bars so you you were out in the uh, the wider world and to not draw attention, I'm assuming that was probably where it started.
1: But yes, I... I never had the, um, the pleasure of being involved with the Hanky Code, except for I was in a play, I think, called Hanky Codes and something or another, a short play. Mm-hmm. We did that once um, at our theater. But anyway, her dress reminded me of the Hanky Codes, and I wanted to see if you'd ever read that, but also um, or heard of it. At one point, Holly's like driving away in the car, and you can definitely see it's like a man in a blonde wig. which I love when they're driving away from like the chemical plant. But yeah, I and I also love when straight guys in movies can be sensitive. Like I love the final girl. I mean, we know I love the final girls, but there's a moment where like the the lead guy is like, I'm so scared and he's just like gonna cry. And I just love that. And I love here when Mike's like, I love you, man. Mm -hmm. And Josh is like, I think that's the first time I've ever heard you say that. And it's just sweet. It doesn't turn into a joke. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I like those interactions between the brothers in the beginning because it feels very authentic. It does. Um, where I'm like, yep, because they are like giving each other a hard time, but they do express their, you know, love for each other.
1: So that feels very, uh,
2: very authentic.
1: And isn't this I wrote this down, but I'm not remembering someone says shake on it, and someone like literally like shakes their body. <laughs> he
2: does it, That's like one of the few jokes. Is, yeah, Wingshauser does that. He literally like shakes his I'm body to like
1: definitely adopting that
2: yeah and then he's like come on take it serious and they're like okay okay yeah that's like one of the few jokey moments
1: i think oh that's brilliant i love it yeah it's like i'm gonna get that it's so well done okay i'm gonna get into slight spoilery stuff here let's do it so the only thing i really want to say in regards to spoilers is i totally thought holly was gonna be on in on it the whole time Mm -hmm. like i thought at any moment she was gonna Lock the door and be like, oh, what? You really thought I was the nice one? Like, I thought for sure she was going to be in on it. Mm-hmm. So that was a pleasant surprise that she was good the whole time. I also thought when, and I didn't even mention the sheriff and the doctor because I loved them. I love that you have like your brothers and then you have these two townspeople, really three townspeople that are good. Mm-hmm. Like, you have all these people that are good. But just like with the doctor and the brother, it's like these people who got killed and then just stayed dead. I wouldn't it have been a more fascinating choice to have them come back as monsters and have to have them yes. battle their love interest, their sibling. I'm totally surprised they didn't
2: go that route with like, oh, there's your brother, now one of the zombies. Like I'm totally surprised that that wasn't because that almost happens in every other zombie movie. I know. So, I was I was totally shocked by that. I also for me as well, I thought I, I remember on my first viewing thinking the sheriff uh was going to turn out to be a dick sheriff because you're so used to that uh, so used stereotype to that. too, uh, but instead he's like the one nice guy in town that they can go to, so I thought that was a fun inversion um like the southern you know sheriff in the redneck town kind of uh stereotype we get used to and played amazingly by Bo Hopkins, another great so character good. actor yeah. that's been in I, like a hundred movies
1: it's i I think I enjoy films more where there's like uh like a core four or whatever, when there's like a group of Mm -hmm. people who are good fighting for something. Not that I don't love a good final girl or like whatever, but it's, there's something fun about that group. And I think it's maybe like, cause you would like to, you can sort of put you with like your friends in this circle. Like, okay, if me and my like five best friends got in this situation sort of vibe, like there's that sort of feel and not that they're all like besties here, but they're like a group of people sort of working together, like a group of good people, as opposed to that worst nightmare of mine of one good person and a hundred bad people.
2: Yeah, exactly. And sort of how this movie starts out too, because they're the good people that end up in the town that doesn't want them there. And it and goes it, wrong and, real yeah, quick.
1: It inverts it because there's multiple good people in that town.
2: Yeah. Which is, that's fun too. Cause then there's, yeah, the, the many layers going on right in the beginning. Like I like, I like what they're doing with the setup here.
1: So it's fun. It's sort of like, you know, a deliverance sort of vibe at times. There's definitely like some more zombie things, a little bit of vampires, I guess. And then it sort of feels like an alien invasion film also. So it's like yeah, a conglom.
2: Yeah, it's got that weird, yeah, the, the haunted town sort of thing where like people are disappearing, but nobody wants to talk about what's going on. Like, I love that kind of vibe in a movie as you unravel the... uh the mystery of what's really happening and then it almost has sort of like toxic avenger or something going on when they reveal it's like oh it's this toxic waste we've been dumping under the town that's turning them into zombies where you're like okay there's that 80s environmental like toxic waste message that so many uh trauma movies like to capitalize on
1: and the only thing I really loved about the zombies that I wish they would have done more of is like that because they were toxic waste, like the one puts its hand on like the car window and like his hand starts to like melt <laughs> the window <laughs> it melts through the glass,
2: which is like, oh, I wish they did more of that of them like like melting through doors and stuff. Totally. That, that'd be awesome. And also they kill a kid. Yeah, right. Isn't is uh, isn't that wild?
1: I know that's that that was very surprising, and his voice was totally dubbed, like by uh-huh. an, an adult woman, oh, which reminds Lord. me of when a straight or when Michael calls that movie. I'm sure I talked about before, a TV movie that scared the shit out of me because there's this little boy who, like, his voice comes over the phone, and he's always like Auntie Helen, and he has like a stuffed nose, and he, you can tell it's like an adult. Mm-hmm. And it just creeps me out so much. And like here, you can see that that kid that was not his voice. Maybe no, like once or it. twice.
2: Yeah, this this go-around, like I didn't remember it from the first time, but this go-around, I was like paying attention to that, and I just started cracking up. Because as soon as he talks, he's like, My parents are gone. Like
1: it's just so <laughs> not that child. So not that child.
2: And it's like it's like just that perfectly it's like almost out of
1: sync. The, uh, uh-huh. as you're
2: watching him talk like the uh, the uh, dialogue so you're like okay bad dub job but
1: but i find the title mutant a little weird like mm-hmm. i guess they are mutations of human beings night shadow just sounds not quite right either i don't know that i love mm-hmm. either title but i guess if i had to go with one i'd go with mutant because it's more mm-hmm. appealing yeah and night shadow more... sounds like a perfume from like elizabeth yeah. taylor Night Shadows
2: Night sounds sh- like a ripoff of like dark shadows, like it should be a vampire soap opera or something yeah, like that. And yeah. yeah. Just not the right doesn't evoke the right tone. Tone.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mutant's yeah it's- a
2: little closer, but mutant's still kind of generic. It's just a one-word, you know, mutant. Like, okay. They could've there's gotta be something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what
2: I have to say about that. Yeah. I think that's it. There's a remarkably similar movie also starring bo hopkins and wings hauser called oh, wow. night, nightmare at noon which came out in the i think in the 90s but it has like a lot of plot similarities to this movie so i just i think it's just kind of a weird coincidence that's <laughs> got the same actors and it's yet another strange zombie movie but okay yeah i wanted to shout that one I wanted to shout that what one is out. it
1: called night what Nightmare at Noon. Okay. Okay. And it's it's not
2: as good as Mutant, but it's still like a uh fun straight to video like weird horror movie.
1: All right. Well, that's what I got. Okay. Well, that's all I
2: got too. There's not like I like that this movie's pretty just simple and straightforward and you're just in for the ride. Um so out of 5 uh, badly dubbed children. <laughs> How many do you give it?
1: I'm going to go three and a half.
2: Wow. I'm also doing three and a half. You dumb I know. We're just like locked in step lately.
1: We are. And there is a
2: scare of approval. Scare of approval.
1: Yeah, baby. We love yeah. scare of approval. Yeah.
2: Check this one out. I mean, I feel like, like we just said, this is unjustly. Obscure and forgotten. It seems it really
1: is, and I recommend you get at it.
2: Yeah, get at it. People find it. I don't know, I know where it, you can find it, but
1: where yeah, did you watch it?
2: I found it on uh, Amazon Prime. They had oh, it. On okay, their, it was on their freebie thing, though, so there was like commercials every so often. But okay, um, that I know it's readily available there. It might be on YouTube. I think it might be uh, just on YouTube somewhere. Like a lot of these like cultier okay. movies seem to be uploaded by people. So
1: all right well next up is saint maude from 2019 directed and written by rose glass and the tagline is your savior is coming and the description on letterboxd is Having recently found God, self-effacing young nurse Maud arrives at a plush home to care for Amanda, a hedonistic dancer left frail from a, chronic des- from a chronic illness. When a chance encounter with a former colleague throws up hints of a dark past, it becomes clear there is more to sweet Maud than meets the eye.
2: All right. Yeah. So this was... Uh number one out the gate this was like the debut feature from rose glass was that her name yeah yeah incredible like what an awesome oh, for your first one i thought that too yeah first movie this is a pretty well realized uh piece of cinema um you know i dug it i liked that it was a tight 80 minutes oh my long. god so fast like that's perfect um for like a something that's just essentially a character stunt like I did see after the fact on Letterboxd, people were like, it moves fast, essentially, especially for a movie like this that short runtime, but it's essentially a movie of, where not much happens really. Like there's not a ton of action in this thing. So, and, and I know that can be like, that was probably by design. You're like, let's keep it shorter smartly. Cause I've seen, I think we've both seen plenty of movies like this where they're just character studies, but they drag on for far too long. So I think that was smart to construct this as like a tight quick thing it's a character study of Maud, uh uh-huh. and it really works in that regard i think um it does feel like uh to borrow from teacher drew i kept getting the uh vibe of like uh, and this one didn't necessarily feel like a first draft because this felt like a very realized like vision um but there were a lot of themes that i felt like you could have done more with In this movie, like explored further, if you were to flesh this out into a larger, more involved piece, Um, especially the like the idea of religious fervor and mental illness, like I feel like there is something a little deeper there than this even touched on or just began to touch on. Then if you had a larger piece with more
1: characters, maybe you would expand on that some more. Yeah, I do. What I love about so this nurse this like caregiver. Is like you know very super religious, but I find like what's so such a, a fascinating choice and a unique choice is to have her only be recently religious, mm-hmm. ever since she had this sort of tragic experience that happened, which you don't know. Like you sort of imagine it to be not worse than it is, but like more nefarious.
2: Yeah, I than mean, it was I? It, it makes you wonder if it's anything like what she's experiencing, you know, in the story as we see it. I feel like history repeats and you're led to believe she probably did some similar, not necessarily in line with reality things in the past as well.
1: Yeah, I, that's totally possible. I also wonder though, if it like cracked her, mm-hmm. like if she was so traumatized by it and instead of getting help and instead of having support, she goes this other route of being totally religious. Cause you get this impression. Like she has a moment where she sort of, sort of spirals out of control in the the movie as we know her. And after she, Quite honestly, gets raped by this guy. Mm-hmm. Like they're having sex, but then she is done and says no, and they continue to have sex.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it sort of glosses over that in a way. Not like, oh, this is fine that it happens because it's it's not. But he mentions something about how she may have like fucked his friend before, and you mm-hmm. get the impression that that was like in the past. That like how she spirals is how she used to be. Yeah which is really just she's just kind of very sad and desperate like there's a scene where there's like she's alone and she goes like she jerks off this random guy who just gives her the eyes and then she's sitting by this table of people friends laughing and she tries to like blend into their table and it is so uncomfortable it just made me cringe so hardcore she's mm-hmm. like just trying to like fit in with them and they're like who the fuck are you
0: Yeah,
2: she's so alienated. But at the same time, you know, she is our point of view character. She is.
1: So like everything we see, we're like, is this real? Is it not real? And I think there's just really one specific clue to how that all falls at the very end.
2: Exactly. And so looking back over the rest of the movie, you wonder, is any of it real? Like, I I sort of started to get an American Psycho vibe from this where you're led at the end of that movie. Spoilers. But I'm assuming most of you have probably seen American Psycho at this point. But, you know, you're led to believe, is it real? Is it not? Who knows? Does it matter? That's the beauty of films like this, though. It can be both at the same time. It can be whatever you want it to be.
1: And the performances are so good. Like, uh, Amanda is Jennifer Eel, I want to say, E-H-L-E. And then Mm -hmm. I think Maude is so good. And I'm not sure quite how to pronounce her name. Morfid Clark, I want to say. M-O-R-F-Y-D-D. Morph mm-hmm. it. but they are both so good i love them they're so like the exact opposite one is brassy well i mean she's dying but the character amanda is definitely uh an abrasive sort of personality and then commanding, you got mod, personality. commanding and then mod is like tiny and quiet yeah um and i just love that juxtaposition between the two and the relationship to them. And also there being like, what is this relationship? Like there is definitely sort of like a gay vibe. Like I almost gave it during June, during pride month. Cause I thought it could fit in there. And then I don't know, I did something else, um, but I feel like, like is the way Mod treating Amanda because she has those feelings or is it because she's religious and she believes that that sort of, you know, that les- being a lesbian is wrong. Like it's, it's, that is unclear. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate kinda, the unclear un, the unclarity of it. Yeah, it, it <laughs> the lack of clarity. S-
2: it simmers there, yeah, throughout where you're not sure if she's bigoted or if she is just
1: uh, a little out there. So, but in some ways, it feels like religion like saves Maud for a little bit, like mm-hmm. as opposed to dealing with her trauma and. Coping with it in healthy ways, she finds religion or latches back onto it or whatever. We don't know how she was as a kid, just that she's recently become fervor, fervorous with fervorous. it, fervorous, fervent, fervent. Thank you, fervent <laughs> is the just word. Making up words, we are. That's what's what the, we are. I am. I I make up words all the time. Or, fervent is the way. correct word. I, <laughs> I like fervorous. She fervorous. becomes fervorous with her religion. Uh, um. But, like, it's because she's like, oh, well, the pain, you have to do something with the pain, so that's what I'm doing. I have to save people, or I have to save someone, and so, like, that's where she's sort of, where she finds Amanda, who she thinks, you know, she's gay, and she drinks too much, and she's, everyone smokes all the time, okay? Everyone Mm -hmm. in this movie smokes all the fucking time. Yeah, they're they're, they're in the UK, so it makes sense. Smoking, smoking, smoking. But I just, it's, I find that it deals with grief in a more clever way than some, not to say like the Babadook and smile that those aren't clever and how they do with it. But here I feel like it's even more veiled in Mm -hmm. how it's dealing with its trauma. Yeah, And like, and that questioning is it real or is it not because it's religion and not like a monster Mm -hmm. because so many people are religious and do believe in God and Jesus that lots of people could be like, Oh no, I bet she is hearing, like she says she hears him and feels him. And I bet she is. I'm sure lots of people, more people feel that than people are like, Ooh, that person really sees a monster in the corner. Yeah. That person's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I find that. I find it so fascinating and I find it's beautiful. Like it's so well shot. And the music, I love the music. Cynthia at times,
2: and I think it's uh, interesting too. Like I saw somebody on a Letterbox Review mention something of that, where she's into self-flagellation, uh, you know, as they would call it, where she scours her skin as you know an act of penance, going with the old school medieval like Catholic uh, tradition. But uh, I saw Letterbox Review mention something about this idea where like it is interesting that so much of modern Christianity too focuses heavily on the crucifixion of course and the suffering jesus went through and it for many people suffering and faith are like one in the same and it feels like the movie's doing some sort of interesting dissection there it's like i feel like it's not quite clear exactly like i know that theme is there and it feels like there's some questioning of it um but what's exactly being said i don't know i guess that's up to us to look at and interpret
1: yeah because i have to say i am not religious i definitely have some form of higher power that constantly changes i don't know what it is at this point but that's okay um but when there is a great tragedy like a bunch of kids get killed or something Mm -hmm. or whatever it doesn't even have to be that but it i am not the when i hear others use this is the way god wanted it or whatever like using religion to cope like i get it i get it Mm -hmm. that's what you need but to me it makes me a little angry (laughs) yeah yeah because it
2: it is it is i hate when it it is used uh what's the word i'm looking for dismiss dismissively because essentially it's taking out of the equation any human responsibility for these sorts of things by saying like, oh yeah, that's just how God wanted it to work out. And you're like, well, we have agency too and humans do what they want to do. So, I mean, shouldn't we be looking at why did people decide to do this? Like, what is making people decide to do this and not just pass it off on like, pfft, yeah, you know, magical higher powers made this happen. That's
1: why. Stop yeah, questioning. And I say that. And then again, like a part of my recovery and having a higher power is things will work out as they're supposed to, even if you don't know that at the time. Mm -hmm. It isn't so much like, that's what God wants, maybe to some people. But to me, it's just things happen for the reason that they're supposed to happen. But I do just like, I just can remember sitting in funerals and things like that, or like we're just hearing uh, the way people use religion to cover up the pain Mm -hmm. can bother me.
2: Absolutely. And to, again, to be like, well, we don't need to take action because that's just the way it was supposed to be. And it's like, no, you still have to do things, you know, we still have to be responsible because uh, that's still part of this whole universal uh, contract we have, I would say. but
1: And in, in regards to the self-harm, like she definitely throughout the movie, there's a couple of cases we see of her doing that. But then mm-hmm. there's also and I love this that there's like scars on like her stomach that we Mm -hmm. never see her inflict. They're just scars, but it makes me think that she's often like had been someone who like was a cutter, Mm -hmm. like prior to all this happening. And so then she's able to just transition that self harm into the religious thing of I, in order to, feel closer to I have to deal, I have to go through this pain, I have to kneel on popcorn kernels and put nails through my feet and burn myself like that. It would make sense that someone who once was into not into self-mutilation, but use self-mutilation as a way to deal with to cope, to cope, that they would be such an easy transition if they became religious to say, oh, no, this is how that pain should be used
2: absolutely yeah and and it, it, to that point too i i does make me wonder if she's essentially been the same person all this time that's why i'm thinking in her past life she probably wasn't really all that much different she was just using uh alcohol and you know partying and whatever else she was doing to cope and then it became this like uh religious celetry later when she had the uh, a breaking moment so to speak but i'm not sure she ever really broke as much as she just became I don't know more of whatever the issues are more of this uh emptiness this uh this badness that's taken hold of her
1: yeah there's so much about loneliness in here on multiple levels like between Amanda and between Maude there's some mm-hmm. like I watched it with my husband because I was like do you want to watch this and I sent it to him I thought because it was short maybe but when I initially watched it I thought I god I think he might like this mm-hmm. and so we watched it and I just couldn't read him but luckily it was, you know, like 80 minutes before the credits roll. And then it ended and I was like, what did you think? He's like, what do you think I thought? And I'm like, you hated it. And he's like, I loved it. Oh, <laughs> there like, you oh go. So that was great. He said it reminded him of like Carrie meets whatever happened to baby Jane. <laughs> which oh, I, yeah. I loved. Okay. Yeah. And then I a- heard the director s- compare it to like Repulsion and Rosemary's Baby. But more specifically, she would pitch it to executives that it was like taxi driver, but with. A religious nut in like a, like a small New England, or a small England, English town. Mm-hmm. So she compared it very much to whatever that character's name is, Robert De Niro's character. Robert uh, De Niro? Travis,
2: Travis Bickle. and yeah, Yes. Robert she, De Niro.
1: Tra- she related it to more of like a female religious version of him. That's mm. how she would pitch it. Which made me want to watch Taxi Driver again, because I've only seen it once and I barely remember it. Oh, man. You barely remember it. But I, was I just get... remember Jodie Foster and Blood. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that movie stuck with me when I saw it because I was like, holy crap, this movie's crazy. So, yeah, Taxi Driver is intense. And I can see that comparison. <laughs> These would be good companion pieces to each other Taxi Driver and St. Maude.
1: Yeah. But I liked the motifs like the tornadoes and the lights, like electricity and not Mm -hmm. even just electricity, but like the fireworks. And I just think some of the scenes are so stunning and I think the acting is so good. And the second time around was so great and I had to talk spoilers for a second. So Mm -hmm. anything else you want to say before I get into that? Let's do it. Okay. So the most, the coolest thing I found out spoiler wise, which I think because it ties into like what was really happening, is that when Maud hears the voice of god do you mm-hmm. this already
2: uh i'm hoping you're gonna say something that i kind of figured out on my own so that it's her
1: voice it's the yes. actress yeah but just like in a lowered register yep which yeah. i find it's like that's telling right there yeah but then i also just think the last shot of the movie like because we're like does she really have these wings are people really like but then that very, like, and it's just, like, it was less time than I remembered it being where you were just seeing her burning alive. Like, it's a flash. Yeah. But and it's I mean, enough the, to just be like...
2: The fact that God speaks in, because I had to look it up afterwards, too, to double-check that, but God speaks in Welsh when he talks to her. Uh, and the, I guess the character, I don't know if they say this, but they're like, Maud is supposed to be Welsh. So that leads to the idea that this is just coming from inside of her somewhere, and since it's her own voice speaking what would... Uh, effectively be probably the first language she knew even before English was the Welsh language. So, um, yeah, you're like, okay, I think this is an internal thing that's happening.
1: And I remembered that she killed Amanda, but I didn't remember that Amanda has this brief moment, probably in mod's mind where she Mm -hmm. becomes like demonic. And it scared the shit out of me. (laughs) Like, I think it was like, because we have like surround sound and it Mm -hmm. really utilizes surround sound in that moment. And I jumped. Like, that scared the shit out of me. For sure. Awesome. Awesome. But I was like, I loved that. I love that. I just, I think the end is so good. It's worth going through everything else, which doesn't feel ever boring to me or anything. I just, (laughs) I liked it a lot more on the second watch. And I liked it the first time around. I just, I think going into it, knowing exactly where it was all going. Cause I mean, you would thought like, it was about something satanic or something like before watching it just based on like the title and that it probably had to do with religion. So like watching it, were you, did you have any idea where it was going to go?
2: No, not at all. I like, I kind of just locked in and settled in though after it started to unfold where I'm like, okay, I think this is just a character piece is
1: really what this is going to be. So like, I'm here for that. I knew the end had something to do with her setting herself on fire because I'd watched some, one of those YouTube videos. It's like the most shocking moments from movies this year. And I just wish when they give the number, like no nine, nine St. Maude, it would just say nine St. Maude. So I could know and fast forward through it, but it's always like Maude on fire. St. Yep. <laughs> like they always tell too much. Yes. Like I also had a malignant spoiled for me. Because mm. I choose to watch these videos, you know, I haven't watched all of the movies, but I just always think you'll be nice and give me a heads up, right? Nope, nope, nope. I think nope, those often, were in the same year and I think in the same video. Often they don't give you a heads up. Those And it's dicks. not like it's not like totally like Mod sets herself on fire, but I knew that it was going to be her on fire. I just didn't know how we were gonna get there.
2: Yeah, yeah. But it was spoiled nonetheless.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I also love the, the tense moment when her friend stops by and also when she's having sex with that guy that I th- feel like you think something more is going to happen, mm-hmm. like especially when her friend Joy comes by, like you see the acid. It's all tense. I feel like you think she's going to pour acid on her friend. Yeah, or something. Or do something. Like it's just yes. filled with tension and you're like, something is going to happen here. And I just love that it doesn't.
2: It doesn't, but that's what the ending is. It's the release of all that tension we've seen this entire time, so. Yes. And I think it's kind of beautifully constructed. It is, yes. I love it. Anything else to say? No, I think that's about it.
1: Alright, well, oh, one last question. Do you know, so in that stove, she, like, lifted that thing up and it was immediately hot. Is that how certain stoves are? Old-timey stoves?
2: It must be. Like, I, like I, don't, I don't know. she, lifted up yeah. that
1: heavy, like, like, pan and then mm-hmm. just immediately suck her hand on it i'm like oh are there ovens that are always hot yeah i
2: don't know okay must be all right maybe, maybe some kind of special european oven
1: all right i don't know <laughs> well out of five godgasms ooh, ooh, yeah that's right there were a lot of godgasms there's a lot of godgasms how many do you give saint mode
2: i give it a
1: four i'm gonna give it a four and a half whoa look at that i know i went up for my original score but still a very solid
0: scare of approval
1: scare of approval fuck yeah oh man i loved it i loved it it is so well done and it is so rare to see a movie that's under 90 minutes anymore yeah yeah and it's like please make more of those i know yeah sometimes you need the time to tell your story
2: yeah not that i don't think long movies can't be good too but i feel like everyone just makes them long because nowadays i mean i'm sure it's
1: like a studio demand or whatever
2: yeah it must be because i think of all the superhero movies they make now that like why are all of these two hours plus i'm sure it's the studio saying like we want you know we feel like people are buying the ticket to come see a thing so just give them as much movie as possible i feel like that has to be part of the thinking, but. You don't need all that time to tell some of these stories. Sometimes That's you can true. tell a tight, amazing story in 80 minutes. So, And this was on Prime
1: if you want to go watch it now that you've heard us spoil it. So, yeah, go check it out. Go check it out. All right. Well, please write to us, scaringasharing at gmail.com. Follow us on Insta, scaringasharing. All one oh, word. I was waiting for <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for you. Oh, you thought I was going to say <laughs> I it. I thought you, thought you were going to wrap it up. All one word. Smash <laughs> it all together. <laughs> and um yes we'd love to hear from you come back next week hear what we will have to give each other then and um remember um whatever you do
2: don't fall asleep Ooh, that's a good one that's right guys write in tell us uh any 80s movies like mutant that you think are underappreciated uh what did you think of saint mod's uh, madness and Obsession
1: uh, and Hail Pema
2: oh okay
1: and keep watching and talking about scary movies because
2: <laughs> scaring is a
1: sharing bye scaring is sharing scaring is sharing scaring is sharing scaring is
0: sharing
1: this has been a production of Planet Amp podcast
0: powered by Pinecast